Is there a big difference now? You hear me that much better? <laughs> We're starting a new series tonight just for a few weeks on Malachi. Uh, some people will call him Malachi, but um, I'll just give you the proper enunciation. He's not Malachi, although it's C-H. That C-H in Italian is pronounced Ka. So Malachi, it's a but we will be looking at it and uh, return to me. That is one of the themes uh, in, in, the, in the passage as we go through the book of Malachi that we will be reminding ourselves of. And tonight, does God really love me? Uh, and this is what the Israelites challenged him with as um, we w- look through chapter 1. We're going to see... How have you loved us? So we know this about Malachi. We don't know his parents' name. We don't know where he's from. We just know his name is Malachi. He uh, was being used of God to bring the word of God. Amos 8 verse 11 says this, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Now, when we look at the book of Malachi, it's the last book of the Old Testament. It's the last book in the Hebrew Bible. And so there was a famine for hearing the the words of the Lord because after this, after God had declared this word through his prophet Malachi, there was a silence for 400 and some years before the people heard about the, him, heard from him through the Messiah coming. So all we know that in verse 1, it says this, the oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. What's an oracle? An oracle is a person through whom a deity is speaking a word. Okay, a deity is going to speak through a person and they become a, uh, a, an oracle. Malachi is that person. His name means my messenger. So God is declaring him as my messenger. So right here, by virtue of verse 1, the oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi, we know this, God is speaking a message to his people to the Israelites, but that does not mean the message is not for us today. Although it was being spoken to the Israelites, it's very much still for us today. And also according to chapter one, verse one, the messenger is Malachi and the listeners are who? To Israel. So who is God speaking to? To Israel. And so that's where we are at tonight. But to catch us up in the history of what has happened up to this point, we will look at this. Jerusalem has returned from, the people of Israel have returned to Jerusalem from Babylon. Ezra and Nehemiah are also there. The temple has been rebuilt. The wall has been rebuilt. They're fulfilling all of their religious practices. They're going about their religious duties, but they're not following the law of God, as in their hearts are not committed. They're just going through things ritualistically. 
They've turned away from God's favor and they are, their, their Messiah has not yet come and so some of them are wondering if he is even going to come. They are, they're doubting, is the Messiah even going to come? So theologians think that perhaps this book was written uh, 450 BC to 420. You know, in the Old Testament, we go backwards in our numbers, right? So 450 BC to 420. But in comes Malachi, and he comes to deliver a message. And the message from the Lord is his judgment on Israel, how they've continued to live in sin. And the other message is that he has a promise for them that one day when the Jews would repent that their Messiah would come and he would be revealed and God's uh, promised covenant that his Messiah is coming would be fulfilled. And so this is what Malachi comes to do. So let's start reading from verse 2 to verse 5. And it says this, I have loved you, says the Lord, but you say, how have you loved us? Is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated. Sounds pretty strong. I have laid waste his hill country and left his heritage to jackals of the desert. If Eden says we are shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins, the Lord of hosts says they may build, but I will tear down and they will be called the wicked country and the people with whom the Lord is angry forever. Verse 5, your own eyes shall see this and you shall say, great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel. So we have here the the reference to Edom. Edom is known as uh, Esau and as you know, Jacob was Israel. His name was changed to Israel. So in these verses, God is affirming his love towards his people. And they're saying, but how have you loved us? And so we're going to look at that. How have you loved us? If you've loved us, why are we in the situation that we're in? Why have we gone through the things that we have gone through? a matter of fact, they they confront God in three different occasions of of, uh, this first chapter of Malachi. In this verse, of verse 2, they say, in what way have you loved us? In verse 6, they say to him, in what way have we despised you? We'll look at that in just a little bit. And then in verse 7, they say, in what way have we defiled you? So here, they have the gumption within them to confront God and ask him, how have you loved us? How have we despised you? And how have we defiled you? They're, they're de- being defensive. But verse 2, the latter part Uh, to verse 3 says, How have you loved us? Is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated. Now here's the thing about Jacob and Esau, okay? Before they were even born, their destiny, their future was already determined by God. When their mother was pregnant for them, Rebecca was pregnant, she was... She was um, challenged by by what was going on within her room and she went to the Lord and she says what is happening within me it's like there was a battle within her and the Lord spoke this oracle to Rebecca Genesis 
25, verses 22 to 23. The children struggled together within her, and she said, if it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to acquire to the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So this loving and hating is not a, a, a personal thing. It is something that God had already determined. It was a providential thing. Romans explains it this way. Romans chapter 9 verses 6 to 14. But it is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. And not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God. But the children of the promise are counted as offspring. For this is what the promise said. About this time next year I will return and Sarah shall have a son. And not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man our forefather Isaac, though they were not not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad in order that God's purpose of election might continue not because of works but because of him who calls she was told the older will serve the younger as it is written Jacob I have loved but Esau I hated what shall we say then is there injustice on God's part by no means. Before the boys were even born, before they had even committed any sin perchance, if, if we were to say some people think, oh, well, God doesn't love me because I've done this wrong or I've done that wrong. Before they were even born, God providentially determined that the older would serve the younger. God providentially determined that Jacob was going to be through, uh, through Jacob's line, Israel, that his people would be the chosen people. Do you understand that? Okay, so God's love for Jacob was a distinguishing love. It meant that the, from Jacob's line came the chosen people, the children of Israel. From Esau's line, they were not the chosen people. They were not the elect of God. It doesn't mean that if they, didn't have, if they had faith in God, that he would be rejecting them. It just means that the Edomites were not the chosen line. You understand? And so that's where it comes. Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. So the point that Malachi is making to his audience is that the people of God, he gave them the scriptures, he gave them the temple, he gave them priests, the children of Israel. He gave them the, the temple, the priests, the scriptures. He gave them the prophets. He gave them the, the, the covenant that, that declared that there would be a Messiah. So here is God's promise to the, to the Israelites. The Edomites did not have that promise. And so his love for them was an everlasting love, even though they failed him again and again. You see, if it was the fact that God hated Esau because of some sort of sin, 
then the Israelites were guilty of that sin because they failed God time and time again. But before Jacob and Esau were born, the descendants of Jacob were already determined to be the chosen people of God. Okay? And so that's why God's love for them was everlasting. He remained in covenant with them. He demonstrated his love for them by caring for them even though they were not uh, um, regularly faithful to him. They were protected by him all through the ages. But the Edomites did not see this same protection, did not see this same covering. And Malachi ends those, those verses that we just read, 2 to 5, with this. Your own eyes shall see this, and you shall say, Great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel. The people may have thought that God had not fulfilled all of his promises to him, to them, but God still declared that they would see the greatness of God. Even though they were thinking, how have you loved us? He's saying to them, you're going to see the greatness of God. You're going to see it. So Malachi speaks of blessing Israel. He speaks on the salvation of the Gentiles. And he speaks of the coming of the Lord that's going to, de um, to destroy all of the wicked. Okay, this is what we're going to see as we unpack Malachi through the next coming weeks. But when we see the word here, you, your own eyes shall see this and you shall say, it's not just speaking to just the Israelites then and there, it's speaking to the descendants that follow that include you and I. Okay, so we are included as we look into this book. And Romans um, 9 uh, 15 to 21 helps us to understand this because it says this for he says to Moses I will have mercy on whom I have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion okay and then verse 18 so then he has mercy on whomever he wills and he hardens whomever whomever he wills verse 19 you will say to me then why does he still find fault for who can resist his will but who are you O man to answer back God will what is molded say to its molder why have you made me like this has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use so the Lord determines himself who he's going to show mercy on. So if he has chosen that Jacob's line, the Israelites, will be those in whom he loves, then he has chosen that. And he's saying, can you, the, the, the clay, say to the potter what you're going to make out of me? And God will have mercy on whom he has mercy. Going on to verses 6 to 14, it says this. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you. O priests who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? 
Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us with such a gift from your hand. Will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts? Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts. I will not accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun to the setting of my... to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense will be offered to my name, and a pure offering, for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted, and its, fr- and, and its fruit, that is, its food, may be despised. But you say, what a weariness this is, and you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence, or is lame or sick, and this you bring as your offering. Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? Curse be the treat, be the cheat who has male in his flock and vows it and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemish. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. Now it gets interesting for us. We already have it laid out. We understand that the Israelites are the chosen ones. We understand the Edomites are not. We understand God's love. We understand his mercy. We understand who Malachi is that is sharing this word. But now there's something that is interesting that takes place. Because God is not pleased with the sacrifices that have been brought to him. The priests were not honoring God. They were not respecting God. Our, the, our worship, when we are worshiping God with our lives, it shows others the God we believe. The God we believe in. It shows who we believe in. It shows what we think of him. It shows how much we love him or what we believe true of him. And here in this place, the, the, the priests were not honoring God with what they were bringing to him. So therefore, did they really feel that he was worthy of their, their sacrifice? They offered blemish animals. Did he, was he really worthy to, be, to receive their best? And how many times do we go about our day, and at the end of the day, we offer a quick prayer? We haven't given of the Lord our best. We, we wake up in the morning and right away we're thinking, I've got to get this and I have to do that. I have to go here and I have to go there. I better call that person. I better send this email. I have to run over to the grocery store, grab this, pay that bill. And, and we've got our agenda of everything that we have to do. And we've barely said, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for yet another day that I've woken up. Thank you for yet another day that I could see the glory of you in everything that I do. We've not paused before our feet are on the ground to reflect that God has awakened us for another day. He has given us breath for another day. And these priests were not honoring God. And he says this in verse 6, A son honors his father and a servant his master. What was the Lord saying here in this verse of using the term honor? Automatically, we think of of respect. We think of a son respecting the father. We think of a son having fear towards the father. But I looked it up. 
It's an old primitive word in Hebrew, and it means kabod. This word honor, if you were to look it up in Strong's Concordance, you will find that it means kabod. Do you remember what the kabod of God is? You don't have to answer back if you don't want to, but it's the weightiness of his presence. So in a bad sense, kabod could be something that is burdensome, something that is heavy. In a good sense, kabod could be something that is rich, that is honorable. But even more so if you were to go further into the word kabod, it means this, abounding with more. It also means to be glorified, to be glorious. Things, uh, it means glory. So in essence, what's happening here is God speaking of his glory. The people were not honoring him. They were not giving glory to God. When the priests were not honoring God, they were not giving glory to God. You see, we think of the weightiness of God's presence as the kabod of God. But here, what, what is happening is the priests were serving God despite the sin that was in their life. They were, just, they were just taking it for granted. They were going before the Lord and, and cleansing themselves. They were just going about their service. And the Lord wants us to go before him with our hearts as a living sacrifice, with pure hearts, right? Psalm 24, verses 7 to 10 says this, Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient, ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. That the king of what? That the kabod of God may come in. Who is this king of glory? Who is this kabod? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory, the kabod of God, may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. And then at the end of the psalm, it says, Selah. It, the psalmist wants us to pause and think about what we just read. He wants us to pause and reflect that the glory of God desires to be in our midst. And the glory of God comes when we're giving a, an offering of that sacrifice. Pause and think about it. Who is that glory? Who is, what is that kabod? What is that weightiness of his presence? That's the king of glory. In other words, somebody great and mighty is about to enter in. When you offer up your sacrifices, right? Because we are a royal priesthood. So when you offer up your sacrifices to the Lord, when you're offering it from that pure place and you've gone before the Lord and you said, Lord, cleanse my heart. Lord, purify my heart. Lord, if there is any wicked way in me, purify me. And then you offer up your offering of praise and thanksgiving. Then what happens is that kabod, that something great and mighty comes into that area of worship. Do you understand what, what, uh, what the Lord is saying here? So how we worship God will then display to others 
what we believe or what we know to be true of him. So I don't just take it flippantly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, we're taking it with that place where, you know what? Hallelujah, Lord. God, you are mighty. You are the king of glory. Lord, I just open up the gate of my heart to welcome your glory into my life. Lord, I just Lord, I just offer up my life as that living sacrifice. Lord, just cleanse me, just purify me. That you may come in, O oh, king of glory, that you may come in. Isaiah 42 verse 8 says this, I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory, my kabod, I give to no other nor my praise to carvidos. This is what they were into. They, they were into, into uh, carved idols. Actually, if you go to Amos chapter 5, sorry media, I didn't give you this. But if you go to Amos chapter 5, you know what we'll find out? That they had some idols that they were into. Let me get there myself. Okay, Amos chapter 5, it says this. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, verse, actually go to verse 21. Amos chapter 5, verse 21. I hate, I despise your feasts, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs to the melodies of your harps. I will not listen, but lest justice roll down like waters and righteousness, like an ever-flowing stream. Why? Because this is what was happening. Verse 25, did you bring to me sacrifices and offerings during the 40 years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You shall take up succoth. Now, that is not the Hebrew feast, okay? That, that was a shrine of Moloch that they had made. And they were, they were worshiping that shrine. And he says, uh, you shall take it up, your king, uh, Kinem, your, your star god, your images that you made for yourselves, and I will send you into exile. They were worshiping these idols. And what does God say to them? I am the Lord. That is my name, my glory, my kabod. I'm not going to share with any God. You, you want to worship your maluk? You want to worship your carved images? Well, you worship that. But don't expect my kabod to come into that place. Don't expect the weightiness of my presence to come and be a part of that sacrifice, to come and be a part of that worship. No, 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 no. I am the Lord and that is my name. I despise your feasts. To just stop with your, with your music and, and, and stop with your, your sing song. Do away with all those other things so that the weightiness of my glory can come in. He's not, he's not impressed with our worship when we have given our worship to a carved idol. What's the carved idols of our day? Could be our job. Could be our phone. Could be our family. Could be our vehicle that we drive. What's the carved idol? Anything that is between you and God. That is robbing you of your time that you could spend with God. There's a song, anything that comes between me and God is an idol. 
So we're not exempt. It can't, it's not because, oh, we don't have idols in our day and, and, and I don't have any idols in my house. And, you know, I don't, even, I don't even wear them around my neck and so that's not me. No, anything that has captured your attention other than the one true God can have the potential to be an idol in your life and to rob you of knowing what it is to live a life as a living sacrifice to God. What it is to then have that glory of God with you wherever you go and whatever you're doing. Our worship reflects again what I said, what we know and believe about God and what his character says of him. So others are watching our lives and how we walk out our lives defines what we believe of God, defines what his character says of him and how we walk out that character. In biblical times, when a name was given to a person, it was to define who they were. So for me, if I, let's pretend I lived in the Old Testament times, my name is Melody, that would mean that I maybe was a psalmstress in the temple. Maybe I sang songs. Maybe. Just pretend. Pretend my voice was beautiful and I sang so beautifully. But it's not. I mean, it is, that is my name, but if my name was Susie, I wouldn't be called Melody. My name defined who I was. And so Malachi was given the name Malachi because he was God's messenger. A matter of fact, the old rabbis believed that his name was Malachiah, meaning messenger of Yahweh, Malachiah. And um, so Malachi is speaking the message of God, and God's message is, I have loved you. And they're saying, you've loved us? How have you loved us? And then he goes on to describe it, and, and then they're like, well, how, how have we despised you? How have you despised me? You, you didn't even bring a sacrifice that was worthy how, how have we polluted? How have we polluted? You've brought blemished animals before me. When you had the best of the best, you had a, a perf- perfect animal and you brought before me a blemished one. Would your own governor accept that? No, but you brought it to me. Who is this king of glory? Who is this kabod? Well, Psalms 18 verse 10 says, that he is a strong tower. The name of the Lord is a strong tower and what? The righteous run to it and they are safe. They are protected. That's speaking of who the character of God is. We're safe. We are protected by him. He is the king of glory. And as Isaiah said, he is the Lord and that is his name. So the Lord is this strong tower, but he raised up Malachi to be a prophet to the people and to speak to them a message, and the message was concerning their form of praise, their concerning their form of sacrifice. And he says to them that in Deuteronomy 18, it describes a type of prophet. It says, 18 to 20, I will raise up from, 
for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name. And I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in my name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. Malachi was deemed God's messenger. He was deemed to bring this word to God's people for this appointed time. He wasn't speaking out of the musings of his own mind. When he is telling them that I have loved you, he is speaking on God's behalf. He's not speaking as Malachi, I, Malachi, have loved you. He's speaking on God's behalf. And the priests are, are angst about this because then he, they asked, how have we despised your name? How have we polluted you? Well, what were the, what were the duties of the priests? You, in, in order to understand why God was so firm about this, about their sacrifices, is we would have to go back to Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 21, verse 6 says, According to the priests, the roles that they had, they shall be holy to their God and not profane the name of their God, for they offer the Lord's foods, offerings, the bread of their God, therefore they shall be holy. Verse 8 says this, You shall sanctify him, for he offers the bread of your God. He shall be holy to you, for I, the Lord, who sanctify you, am holy. Verse 17 says this, that the, that the priests speak to Aaron saying, none of your offspring throughout their generations who has a blemish may approach to offer the bread of his God. So what was the rose of the priests? They were to be holy. They were not to profane, profane his name. They were to present the offerings to the Lord that the people brought into the temple. And they were to present a sacrifice that was without blemish. Now, according to what we just read of verses 6 to 14, these priests were not fulfilling their duty as a priest. They weren't, they weren't bringing uh, unblemished animals before the Lord. They brought blemished animals before the Lord. And so in doing so, they were despising the name of the Lord. They were going against what God called them to be as priests. They were going against their God-given responsibilities. They polluted they're sacrificed by bringing these blemished animals. And the Lord was specific. He wanted that what was going to be brought to him would not even have a detection of any blemish. The offerings were to be perfect in order to be acceptable by the Lord. And that's why when we go before the Lord, we say, Lord, purify my heart. Lord, cleanse me of my sin. And if we recall to our mind anything that perhaps we had done that day, then we bring that before the Lord to ask, us, to ask him to forgive us. Why? Because we want to be that living sacrifice that is without the blemish, that because Jesus will sanctify us. Jesus purifies us. So the priests were offering the very things to the Lord that he said were not acceptable. And so they weren't bringing honor to his name. And that's why the weight and the kabod of his presence, the glory of his presence was not there. How are we 
polluting the Lord? How, how are we doing this in our daily lives? We're not pausing. We're just giving the Lord our leftover time. We're giving the Lord the leftovers of our mind. At the end of the day, when we're worried, we just offer up a quick prayer and, and that's it, you know. That's it, God, you know, you know, you know all things. And we're not giving of the Lord our whole selves. These priests were offering blind, sick, lame animals. And in doing so, they were polluting the, the Lord. They realized that they, they revealed that, you know what? They despised his name rather than respected it. And how many people might be watching your life and maybe your life is despising the name of the Lord because you're not respecting him by honoring him in how you're living your life. Or we could ramble off a bunch of examples of, of what that might look like in today's day and age. How we are living today that might not reflect the child of God. Maybe it's the, the, the colorful language we use at work. Maybe it's, it's where we go at night. Maybe it's what we watch on TV. Maybe it's the type of literature we read, the movies that we watch. How are we displaying the God that we claim to worship, claim to believe in? That's what they were guilty of, despising the Lord, polluting him. They didn't give of their best. Rather, they gave him their leftovers. And so the Lord was not pleased. And he says to them, he wanted them to actually close the door of the temple. Don't waste your time. Verse 10. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain because I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts. I will not accept an offering from your hand. I, I don't know. I read that. It feels like pretty, pretty convicting. It makes you realize all the more how, how sacred the presence of God is. That you just don't come walking in, you know, like da 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 but you come in recognizing that's the presence of God. Lord, I'm coming into your presence. I'm bringing my prayer request to you. But God, just before I do, I want to pause and say. We don't just take for granted God's presence. Think about your worship. Think about how you enter into the place of worship with the Lord. Think about when you're in your car. Most of us do a lot of worship in our car. Why? We'll put on the worship music. We'll sing our heart away. Right? Think about when you're entering into that place of worship. One time a, a pastor shared an illustration that um, they, they were in a, a shopping parking lot. And as they were in that shopping parking lot, this vehicle passes by them and they were 
playing very, very loud music. They were approaching the same exit to leave the parking lot. And so the loud music is what captured the attention of the pastor. So as he pulls up beside them, they're going to turn one way, and he's turning the other way to leave the parking lot. He begins to hear the music, and he recognizes it as worship music. And so as he turns, he says the person was just behind the wheel singing with all their might the song, not even caring who could hear. And there they sang the worship song. And it blessed him as he drove in the opposite direction that it didn't bother them who might hear how bad they may have sounded. They were just totally engaged in that place of worship with God. The, the, the presence of God, the glory of God, the kabod of God can come to any place where you may be that you offer up that pure sacrifice of worship. So it could be in your living room, it could be in your car, it could be on your walk, your daily walk, wherever you are in that place, but let it not be that God is saying, don't even bother to offer up a fire right now. Just shut that door. Let it not be that you take for granted the holiness of God and just come in any old way. But remember who you are approaching, a holy God. And a God who loves you so much. I have loved you. You've loved us. How have you loved us? I have loved you with an everlasting love. Have you despised the Lord? That's where the introspection comes tonight as we read Malachi, because we could just read it historically as pertaining to the Israelites, or we could look at it in a personal way and say, Lord, am I like the Edomites? <laughs> am I in that place that I, I, I'm, I'm hated, not despised, but uh, you've already determined, like, Lord, where, where am I at? Am I like the Israelites that, Lord, you were forever displaying your love to them and yet they continued to sin. Where am I at, Lord? Am, am I guilty like the Israelites that in your constant demonstration of love, protection, provision, that I didn't pause and I didn't take in the weight of your glory to recognize how holy you were and how that holiness deemed my honor that I should honor you and that in honoring you and honoring your holiness and honoring you as the God that is so protective in the God that is that is redeeming in the God that is healing in the God and every attribute of God that you've experienced in your life as you render that honor to him that kabod and that weight of God's glory comes and dwells in that place, dwells in your life. And that is what is reflected for others to see. That is what then others desire to crave. There's something about her. There's something about him. I just, I want to be around that person. Because there's something about you that exudes who God is that demonstrates to others who God is. 
Verse 14 says this, Cursed be the cheat who has, made a, who has a male in his flock and vows it and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. I'm a great king. He reminds us of what he said in verse 5 in the earlier part of the chapter. Great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel. I'm a great king. And I will be feared among the nations. God desires our best. That's what he desires from us, our best. Romans 12 says, and I've said it throughout the night, 12.1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Holy and acceptable. Why? Because we go before the Lord for his sanctification. Does God love you tonight? Oh, yeah, he does. And he says, return to me. That's the, the series title, Return to Me. Return to me. And when you offer up your sacrifice of praise, when you offer up your honor, when you offer up your worship, you know what? The kabod of his presence, the kabod of his presence comes. And what does verse 11 say? From the rising of the sun... To its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name. And a pure offering for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. Wherever you lift up that incense of praise, that pure incense of praise, his name will be great. His name will be great. Psalm 24, 9, lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that what the king of glory, that the king of the kabod, the king of the weightiness may come in. That's how we can start each day. That's how we can start each day. Lord, I just want to honor your name, that the weightiness of your presence is with me wherever I go today. That whosoever's path I cross, that they get a taste of that presence. Not because I'm something special, but because you are to be glorified. Because you are living. Because you are to be honored. Lord, let my day be, let my life be a living sacrifice to you this day. That the, the very fragrance of me is a smell of your presence to others that is around. So we're going to unpack this book of Malachi and we're going to see over the next couple of weeks or so exactly what God's message is to us and his last message to the children of Israel before he left them in silence, before he left them in a big grand 400 year of Selah. Pause and think about that word, would you? Father God, we thank you for tonight and we thank you for your word and we pray that, Lord, it would just nestle into our heart and our minds that from tonight forward, we would pause and think before going about our day, before ending our day, before going out in, in, in the marketplace, oh God, 
that we would remember who we are as, as living priests, a royal priesthood, and that being those priests that we would offer the sacrifice of our lives, living and acceptable before you, O God. May the weightiness of your glory reside in our lives, and Lord, may all those who cross our paths come in contact with who you are, because, Lord, we are living to honor you and to bring glory to your name. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Well, for those who joined us online, don't forget on Friday night, we are having our young adult uh, rally with some other churches here at Logos 7.30. And we have Naomi Zidens, and so we welcome you to come hear that powerful testimony. And we pray that um, you will be blessed. Otherwise, we'll see you Sunday morning here as uh, Pastor Dino brings the word of God to us. God bless you and God be with you all. Last week, we brought the prayer requests of the, the young man, Elio, to you um, that was in the accident. And so he still remains to be in a coma. He had to have surgery. Um, as we prayed last week, we prayed for him that, uh, for the surgery. And so they had to remove a part of his skull because of the